Ephesians 2, please, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. We're going to read verses 10 through 13 and then verse 19. Ephesians 2, 10 through 13, then verse 19. Hallelujah. We'll get cranking here. I'm going to speed up a little bit because um, y'all like to praise God. Like, like it's your last time. This may be the last time. This may be the last time. I don't know. <laughs> praise. That's what that people just say. Praise God. Amen. Are you there in Ephesians 2? Okay, verses 10 through 13, and then we'll pick up verse 19. If you have it, thank God for our screen being back on today. That's great. Praise God. Uh, all fancied up. 10 through 13, let's read together. Ready, read. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles of the flesh, who are called by what is called made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now let's skip over please to verse 19. Verse 19, you have that? Okay, let's read verse 19 together. Ready, read. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, of the household of God. Father God, today we thank and praise you for the opportunity we have to spend this time in your word. I ask you, Father, for your anointing to be upon me, Father, as I minister the word to your people. I ask you to give me divine utterance. Let me speak things, Lord, as I hear them from your throne. Give me divine unction. Let me move out and flow and operate as you lead me to do so. And I ask that, Father, the God, as you have your way, your people have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive the word of God. Thank you, Father, that, God, you give me the tongue of the learned, that I may speak a word in season to him who is weary. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today we're talking about, we're continuing our, our mini-series here on relationship goals. Today we're talking about the rights of citizenship, the rights of citizenship. Can you say that with me? The rights. You remember John chapter 1 verse 12? I shared that with you last week uh, from the King James Version, which says, But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become what? The sons of God. The power to become the sons of God. To as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Even to them that believe on his name. So we saw that there are two things that happen uh, uh, that the believer does, that the believer receives and believes, or really the order is believes and receives. But then we see that as a result, God gives then that believer, that receiver, power to become sons of God. Power to become sons of God. So what I talked to you about was that uh, you, that God's goal, God's relationship goal with us is sonship. Not believership. That's the word I just made up. Not just to be believers. Not just to be receivers, but to be sons. 
Now, I talked to you about how that the moment you and I get born again, um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, 7 over there somewhere, it talks about us, we're all members of Christ's body particularly. When you get born again, you become a member of Christ's body. But membership is not the goal. The goal is sonship. Do y'all recall that? Now, I talked about these stages that we go through. Membership. Remember, I, talk, I wasn't talking about membership in our church. Membership in the church is wonderful. You need to be a member of a church. You need a pastor. Nobody said anything. I said you need a pastor. Okay, that's the way God designed it. It's not something that pastors and leaders are trying to make you do. It's the way God designed it, designed it in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Right? But, but you need a pastor. Uh, but membership, we're talking about in the body of Christ. But from membership, you must go into discipleship. From discipleship, you learn about what we're going to deal with today, citizenship. But the, ultimately, the goal of God, according to John 1.12, is sonship. Everybody say sonship. Now, that means, listen to me, we're already citizens. We're already sons. Okay? You don't have to become a citizen. You don't become a son. The moment you became a member, you were a citizen. Oh, you became a citizen. You became a son. But the problem is, if you don't have a revelation of citizenship, if you don't have a revelation of sonship, you will not expect nor experience the benefits of either of those relationships. Do I need to slow down? I said, if you don't have a revelation of citizenship, if you don't have a revelation of sonship, you will never expect nor experience the benefits of those relationships. Hallelujah. You got to have a revelation. You got to know who you are. You got to know what God has called you to have. You got to know what God has called you to be. You got to know what God has called you to do. And you don't get that at the membership stage. Membership has its privileges. It gets you in the door. But if you never read through the packet, if you never read through the manual, you will have, not have a revelation of what's in store for you. You forfeit or you never access the benefits of being that member. When you're a member, you are, you are a citizen. When you are a member, you are a son. But just because you're a member does not make you a disciple. So that's why I spent two weeks dealing with discipleship. Because discipleship is the entryway to, to, to revelation about your citizenship and about our sonship. Y'all got it? Revelation comes through discipleship. Now remember last week and the week before I, I showed you from Luke 14, Jesus Christ gave these qualifications of discipleship. Three people. He gave these qualifications of discipleship in Luke 14. And what, what we can call prerequisites for citizenship, prerequisites for sonship. In other words, there, there are some classes you may want to take at, in, in college or at, at university, but before you take those classes, there are some prerequisite classes. In other words, you must prove your proficiency at one level before they allow you even to take a class on a higher level. Don't, don't go sign up for calculus in college and you've not passed intermediate algebra. You must prove your proficiency in one area because that one area lays the foundation. 
for the higher levels that you want to go into. So if you've not mastered in the area of discipleship, you've not been able to get a foundation for your citizenship or your sonship. In other words, in other words, let me just say it just plainly. If you're just a member, you'll never know what it is to be a citizen. And you'll never know what it is to be a son. Although you are already both. But without a revelation, you won't know it. So Jesus gave some qualifications uh, in Luke 14. You remember this in Luke 14, 26? He said, if, if you don't hate your father and you don't hate your mother and you don't hate your wife and you don't hate your children and you don't hate your brothers and your sister, if you don't hate your own life also, he said, you cannot be my disciple. Woo-wee. Did he mean hate? What he's talking about is giving preference to them over him. He says, if you don't give preference to him over them, he says, you cannot be my disciple. Glory to God. In verse 27, he goes on to say this. He goes on to say, to say that if you don't bear your cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. What does it mean to bear your cross? It's, it's to have within yourself what Paul calls the sentence of death. Paul, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.9, he said, we bore in ourselves the sentence of death in ourselves so that we will not trust in ourselves but trust in God who raised the dead. When you bear your cross, you don't put your trust in yourself anymore. You lay down your life for the sake of the cross, for the sake of the calling, for the sake of Jesus Christ. You never again trust yourself, but you always from then on out trust in the living God who raised the dead. And he said, if you don't bear your cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. So don't even sign up for calculus. Then finally we looked at verse 33 where he said, uh, unless you forsake all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Remember that word, apotasso, from the Greek that word forsake, which literally means, I'm just summing up to, far, to say farewell to. <laughs> to, to renounce. Y'all hear me? There are some things you need to say farewell to. See, in other words, to be his disciple, you can't hold on to the world and the things you are so enamored with and reach and grab hold of your citizenship and your sonship. Boy, I, I, I might, I, should, I, should I preach in Swahili? Because y'all, you, 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 can't, you cannot hold on to all your own interests and serve the interests of the master. You cannot even hold on to all your own desires and fulfill God's desires for your life. Y'all got to hear me today. You have to let something go. Tell, tell your neighbor, let it go. Tell your what, wasn't that a movie or something? Let it go. Let it go. Was that Flo? Somebody on one of them movies, Disney movies. You need to let it go. That's why Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me. Forgetting those things that are behind me and pressing forward to those things which are before me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. So I have to bid farewell to some things. I might have to bid farewell to some people. I'm going to stay on this side. I'm either bid farewell to some people. There are some people who are not good for your next level. There are some 
people who are not good for the assignment God has in your life. There are some people who they're so miserable, they don't want to see you prosper and succeed. And the devil knows that if you start doing God's will, you are going to prosper and succeed. And some of the folk you might have to shake off might be your father or your mother or your wife or your children or your brothers or your sisters or your cousins. But I love them. I know love them and leave them. And come back when you can do better. Come back when your life has been revolutionized by the gospel. Come back and show them, look what the Lord has done for me. Now, why, why is there such a demand? I mean, this is hard stuff. Hate your mother and father and sister and brother and children and bear your cross, come after me, forsake all you have. That's demanding. And a lot of folk say, Jesus, I, I'm, not, I'm not down with all that. I, I, didn't, I didn't sign up for all that. I, I, I like going out of town all the time. I, I like hanging out. I, I, I like doing what I want to do. I didn't sign up. I, 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 want your, I want your little heaven and stuff, but I didn't sign up for all that. This stuff, this change in life. Did you, I, I didn't sign up for all that. I, I, I want all your little blessings, Jesus, but I'm, I didn't sign up for all this change here that you, you're, you're demanding. You know how some folk, you know, you start dating somebody and you find out that they're, they're kind of possessive or kind of demanding or kind of suffocating. And you know, I'm going to get out of here. Let, let me go and break this off before I get too serious. Let, let, me, let me go and give you, give you a little force wands back. You know, take the little force wands back. I thank you, but... Take your little purse back. That, that's, why, that's why some people say you don't, you don't take nothing from nobody. You don't take all that stuff. Because you never know where you got to walk away from that stuff. But Jesus is very demanding. But the reason he's so demanding is because he understands that to move into the place of revelation that you must be in, you must forsake everything because you're about to learn a whole new system. You're about to learn a whole new way of operating. How many people do I have in here you served in the military? You served in the military. Raise your hand real high. Come on, give them a hand. Give them a hand. Now, in the military... You, the first place you go is not to your duty station. You don't go to, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to. <laughs> Deacon Gershom, went, I remember he was going to the military back in 1990, I guess it was, right? And, um, and 1990. And, uh, and, uh. His, his, you know, they ask you, hey, what's your dream duty station? Where, where do you want to be stationed? They, that's how they hook you up. Where do you want to be stationed? Oh, you know, I think I want to be stationed in Hawaii. Oh, we got you. Okay, we got you. But what, what you got to know is before you get to Hawaii, you got to go through Paris Island. 
In other words, before you get to your dream location, before you get to sunny, sunny shine and, and, and clear waters, you have to go to a place where we're going to break you down. Before you get to enjoy the lap of luxury, you have to go to a place where we're going to break you down and take away everything you ever known about your life. Because you're moving from a civilian to a military personnel, and you can't take your civilian mindset into the military. Because in the military, we must all get with one accord. And you got some folk there from Kentucky, some folk from New York, some folk from Florida, some folk from the rich neighborhood, some folk, some folk from the project, and everybody has a different way of thinking, a different way of operating, and we can't function as an army like that if we're all thinking differently. So we got to take you, and I don't care you got cornrows. We're going to cut them cornrows off, baby. I can't go and I can't cut I can't cut my hair. Well, you can't come here. You can't take take your coochie sweaters in the military. You gotta leave all your little Prada and all, all your little Gucci and all your little stuff. I'm, I'm gonna be dressed in Gucci, not in boosted training, basic training. Because in basic training, you're gonna wear this basic uniform. And in basic training, we don't care how your mama taught you to make your bed or if you never made a bed in your life. You're going to make your bed the way we tell you to make your bed. And we don't care what time you ate. If you ate a bowl of cereal at 10 a.m. because you were a slouch on your mama's couch, when you get in the military, you better be up and in this mess hall and you get five minutes to finish everything. Now, I can't go through that. Well, you can't get to the yams. If you can't go through the jam, you can't get to the yams. That's good, D. If you can't go through the jam, you can't get to the yams. If you can't meet the demands of discipleship, you'll never enjoy the benefits of citizenship or the benefits of sonship. I'm preaching better than 38% of y'all that know Imagine folk going to the military. Hey, just listen, just, just take a little bit off the side. And, and I, I, want, I want to design. I want, I want my girlfriend name in the back. Because I, I miss my girlfriend. Let's put her name. One, two, three. Next. Why? Because you cannot move into this new realm of your life with your old mindset. Put up, give me Mark 1, 14 and 15. Give me Mark 1, 14 and 15. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. Colossians 1. And we've, brought, we've been brought into the power, into the kingdom of God's dear son. So we, we change kingdoms. We change systems. And in a different kingdom, in a different system, there must be a different mindset, a different way of operating. And too many of God's people are members and happily members, but they never enjoy citizenship or sonship benefits because they've not shifted how they think. And they think just because I come to church every once in a while, that, that no, 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 it's not about even just coming to church. It's about shifting your mindset. That's why you got to come to church because you need somebody to preach to you the kingdom. 
you got to have somebody preach the kingdom of God to you. How shall they hear without a preacher? Well, I can read the Bible for myself. So could that Ethiopian eunuch in the 8th chapter of Acts. He read it by himself too. And the man of God came along and asked him, do you understand what you read? He said, no, how can I, how can I understand it unless somebody teaches me? So tell your neighbor, you need a teacher, a preacher, and a pastor. You need a prophet. You need an evangelist. You need a teacher. You need an apostle. You need a whole five-fold ministry. And you need me too. Tell them you need me too. To keep you in check. I'm going to keep you in check. I'm gonna keep... <laughs> Come on now. We, we need each other too. Well, I don't want folk in my business. You don't have no business. This is our, this is a kingdom business. Isolate yourself. You're going to be caught in all kind of, all kind of metal mess out there. That's how folk get caught up out there. They get, they, they shut off, they, they, they block the church folk on social media. When, I'm going to throw this in here because somebody don't like it already. When you start blocking your church members in your church off your social media accounts, you're in trouble already. Because there's something about you, you don't want them to know. But baby girl, God knows, God sees, you can't hide nothing from him. And there's nothing done in the dark that will not be brought to the light. Preach, pastor. Preach, pastor. I think I will. Mark 1, 14, 15. Mark 1, 14, 15. Now after John was, in, was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He came preaching what? And saying, verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. What? Repent, Repent and believe. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. Remember that's what we read in verse 14. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So when he says repent and believe in the gospel, he's not talking about repent and believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's saying repent and believe in the gospel of the kingdom. And he says repent and believe. Repent means literally it means to change how you think. That's why the military takes you through so much rigmarole. And they'll bark at you. I, I, I couldn't go to the military. I just, I just couldn't do it. First of all, first of all, I, I've, <laughs> I've always been a large man. And the physical demands was going to be too much for me. You got to. No, I can't. Y'all can have that. I like, I like KFC and Mountain Dew too much. Back then, back then. I'm talking about back then. This is 1989. I, I like KFC and Mountain Dew a little too much for the military. They didn't, they didn't serve KFC and Mountain Dew in the military. And then I, I what she say? Or churches, or Popeyes, or Bojangles, for that matter. Or, or Doals. They ain't have Doals. Some of y'all city folk remember Doals. Praise the Lord. But in the military, they, they seek to change your mindset. And so what, they, what you're in is a total immersion. 
a total immersion. During boot camp, you don't go home on the weekend. During boot camp, you don't get off at 5 and go back, go back to your family. No, 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 no. You just say bye-bye to your family. You're not, you're not going to see them for six weeks or however long it is. You know, you know it's total immersion. It's military-based. You're, you're going to learn military. You're going to eat military. You're going to brush your teeth like you're in the military. You're going to you're gonna comb. You're going to do everything like you're in the military. We're immersing you because when you come out, we're going to make a soldier out of you. We're going to make an airman out of you. We're we going we gonna to make something out of you. You might have come here a maggot, boy, but we're going to make something out of you. So discipleship is boot camp, total immersion. Now, one of the things that you and I discover through discipleship is our rights and privileges as citizens of the kingdom of God. I discover through discipleship. This is, ladies and gentlemen, I, I can't stress this enough. I almost should speak, preach another week on discipleship. I can't stress it enough how important discipleship is. That you learn, that you sit and allow God through his men and women to teach you this new way because it's, it's, it's a whole, it's a, there's a new language. There's a whole new way of thinking. It's a whole different financial system. Everything about the kingdom is different from the world. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, they are diametrically opposed to each other. There's no similarities whatsoever. So you can't operate as a kingdom citizen the way you operate it as a natural man or a natural woman. And it's through discipleship that you learn this. Are you with me? Now, listen to this. You might want to write this down or record it in your memory bank. Being a kingdom citizen immediately raises my status. Being a kingdom citizen immediately raises my status or my profile. You know, people, they're trying to raise their status, raise their profile. Being a kingdom citizen immediately raises my status. You got you to get this here. Now remember I told you, the moment you get born again, you are a citizen. You are a son. You are a member. But if you don't go through discipleship, you don't realize that you're a, that you're a citizen or a son. And you never operate in the new status that is already yours. I'm going to buy this message myself. I'm going to buy this one. I might sow a seed myself. I'm sow a seed myself. Being a kingdom citizen immediately raises my status and my profile. In Luke 7, verse 28, I want you to see something, and it's in red in my Bible, and I hope in your Bible it's in red. If not, shade it in. Luke 7 and verse 28. I want you to hear the words of Jesus. My God. 
Oh, man. Ask your neighbor, do you know who you are? My, do you, do you realize who you are? He says in Luke 7, 28, he says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Y'all have heard of John the Baptist. This is his cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Christ. And Jesus says, Jesus, listen to this. He says, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet. Now, I'm going to show you something here in a minute because most transcripts don't include this part about um, greater prophet. Because that really wasn't the emphasis that Jesus was making. Because you're going to see something here. He says, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. You got to catch it. Among those born among, uh, of women, there's no greater prophet. We could really, really say no greater person. We'll see this here. There's nobody ever lived on this planet that's been a greater person in the sight of Jesus and Father God than John the Baptist. I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what kind of car they drive. I don't care what kind of plane they fly. I don't care how big their mansion is. In God's eyes, there's never been a person, nor will there ever be a person on this planet, born of a woman who is greater in God's estimation, greater in Christ's assessment than John the Baptist. Yet he says, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Good God Almighty. Now some of y'all, you ain't saying that because you don't get it. John the Baptist, as great as he was, was not in the kingdom of God. He was the forerunner of Christ. He wasn't preaching the kingdom. He wasn't demonstrating the kingdom. He was a forerunner of Christ. The kingdom came through Christ. So what he says is all those, all those on the human level, no matter how much you work, no matter how hard you try, you will never, no matter how much you attain, you will never attain a higher status in a human level than John the Baptist. But a nobody in the kingdom is greater than the highest person in the world. Y'all didn't catch it. Do you know who you are? While you all looking at and following the influence on social media because you think they all that, you think they all that in a bag of grits, God says, no, baby, they ain't in the kingdom. And I don't care how much they have. I don't care how much they do. I don't care what they drive. I don't care what they show you. I don't care how big they are. They ain't better than John the Baptist. And if you're in my kingdom... And you ain't got to be bishop so-and-so and apostle so-and-so and have a 5,000-member church. If you're just a person in the body of Christ and you know you're a kingdom citizen, he says you are greater. 
because the kingdom brings you into divinity. And there's no amount of humanity that will compare to the amount of divinity in you. He who is in the kingdom, the least one in the kingdom is greater than the greatest one in the world. That's why John the beloved can later on say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because no matter what you do in the world, you can never attain to the place. In other words, in the, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, that's good. The, the world's ceiling is the kingdom's floor. Boy, that's, that's good, that's good. That came right out of heaven. The world's ceiling is the kingdom's floor. That's why you and I ought not ever be in awe of folk in the world because the highest they can go is the lowest you should live. Come over here. The highest they can go is the lowest you should live. Y'all just going to sit there while I say this. The highest they can go is the lowest you can ever live. Tell somebody, please, help me preach. The highest they can go is the lowest you can live. The best they can do is the worst you can do. Man, high five me, man. High five me. High five myself. I feel like Denzel. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. I don't care how big King Kong think he is. I have something on the inside. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, and he cannot outdo me. He cannot outperform me. He cannot outlast me. I'm in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in me. Now, please, ask your neighbor, do you know who you are? Kardashians, the Kardashians should be trying to keep up with you. You know the reason why the Kardashians are so successful? It's because they've mastered their kingdom. They mastered their kingdom. What would happen if you and I would, through discipleship and revelation, become masters in our kingdom? I declare if you get this, your poor days are over. I declare if you get this, your struggling days are over. Your low days are over. Your sorrow days are over. Your beat down days are over. You are becoming more than a conqueror. There are conquerors in this world, but God didn't call you a conqueror. He called
conquerors, but you and I. And not beneath. Because no matter how great they may be in the kingdom of this world, they will never be more than we are in the kingdom of God. remember God, God told me this about three, three years ago. He said, he said he, I was one day in prayer sitting out there meditating, and he said, he said, son, don't be moved by the world. He said, they can only dream of what I have for you. He said, son, this is, he spoke to me audibly, not, not, not outside, I'm talking about in here. He said, don't be moved by the world. They can only dream of what I have for you. Well, Pastor, give me a scripture. Well, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man, man, the things God has prepared for those who love him. I love him, I love him, I love him. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? I, I love God. I love him with all my heart. I love him with all of my soul. I love him with all of my mind. I love him with all of my strength. I serve him exclusively. What God has for me, it is for me, and I'm not moved by the world and what I see. Ah. Uh, Okay, help me out, media. Give, give me Luke 7, 28. Y'all, please, please rest. Luke, Luke 7, 28. Give it to me in the Living Bible, please, the Living Bible. The Living Bible, Luke 7, 28, Living Bible. I, I want you to read this and see this with your own eyes. Y'all got it? In all humanity, there's no one greater than John. And yet the least citizen of the kingdom is greater In all humanity, in all humanity, I don't care who your favorite hero was, is, or could be, they are nothing compared to you in the kingdom. Somebody say, I'm not impressed anymore. I'm not impressed anymore. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not impressed. I mean, I applaud them for their achievements. Wonderful, wonderful. That's great. That's great. But I'm not, I'm not impressed because I'm in the kingdom. And if, watch this. What he's saying is, if I never become anything much in the kingdom, I'm still greater than the one who achieved everything in the world. Give me that same verse in the Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic. I'm going to chop this short today. Luke 7, 28, Amplified Classic. <clears throat> I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. But he that is inferior to other citizens in the kingdom of God is greater in incomparable privilege than he. 
Oh, wait a minute. Now the Amplified is helping us out here. Oh. Uh-huh. Now see, this is why you got to go through boot camp. Because if you never go through boot camp, God's boot camp, you'll keep calling yourself underprivileged. Less fortunate, underprivileged, disenfranchised. You'll keep calling yourself that kind of stuff because that's the labels that other folk put on you, people like you and me, because you know that's some kind of tag. But see, you can't let your level become your label. Because if they, can, if they can label you, then your mind locks that in as your level. Boy, somebody better grab a hold of this. If they can label you, your mind will lock this in as your level. And you'll stay on that level no matter how hard you try. You'll stay on that level because that's the label you received. That's why you got to get around somebody who's going who's to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and not tell you how to cope as a disenfranchised person, not tell you how to cope as an underprivileged person, not tell you how to cope as a less fortunate person, but tell you how to overcome, tell you how to have the victory, tell you how to prosper, and tell you how to be successful because I'll never let their label determine my level in Christ. No, 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 no. The Bible said that if you are inferior to all the other kingdom citizens, your privilege level is still incomparable, is greater than anything John the Baptist, any human being has. Put it back on the screen for me, please, media. Well, I got it. I, let me just read it. I tell you among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, but he that is inferior to other citizens in the kingdom of God. Has anybody, let, let's tell you, let's tell you, there's an assessment. There's just assessment. You would have to raise your hand if you don't want to. In the kingdom, in the kingdom, have you ever felt inferior in the kingdom? In other words, you get around so-and-so and you heard about they, they had a 21-day fast and you're like, oh, I ain't never fasted 21 days. They got up at 3 a.m. and they prayed for an hour, and you like. I'm going to tell you the truth. Can I, tell, can I tell you the truth? I was thinking about this. I was walking the other day and praying. And I, was saying, I said, Lord, you know, your word says you give your beloved sleep. So I said, Lord, you don't have to wake me up at 3 o'clock. I'm, 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 I'm being honest with you. You don't have to wake me up at 3 o'clock. My regular time, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock is good. When I'm done receiving your sweet sleep. Now, it's okay if he does. I'm not going to argue with him if he does. He'll wake me morning by morning. That's what the Bible talks about, right? Isaiah 50 talks about he awakes me morning by morning, right? He, he awakens my ear to hear as to learn, Okay. Okay, so I'm okay if he does that. However, I, if you're going to give me sweet sleep, I'm going to take it all. Right. 
But I can tell you that because of that, you know, it's been many times because of that, I felt inferior to other people. When they say, oh, yeah, Pastor, I, I, was, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. God gave me this massive revelation. I'm like, ooh. I was, I was going into third gear right about then. Anybody else ever felt like that? People, you doing signs and wonders and miracles and, I mean, casting out devils and stuff, and you get around folk, you're like, wow. And you feel inferior. But yet the Bible says, he that is inferior to other citizens in the kingdom of God, still, I'm throwing it in, is greater in incomparable privilege than he, John the Baptist, who's the greatest human ever lived. Somebody say, I'm a kingdom citizen. Say it again, I'm a kingdom citizen. Say, I'm privileged. Say that, but I don't know about you, but I'm privileged. I'm privileged. And I know my rights. Y'all got a few more minutes? Hallelujah. If you don't know your rights, if you don't know your rights, you'll suffer some things you should not suffer. Give me Acts 22, please. Acts 22. Let me show you something here. Acts 22. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I pity so many people because they never, they never, they never engage. They never, you know, sometimes my, my wife and I were talking yesterday about some people, and we, you know, she was like, like they're on a slippery slope down. I said, I, my problem is I, I'm not sure they actually got on the road. They never got on the road because it's a, it's a it's a it's a hard road. You gotta you gotta make a hard turn to get to where God wants you to be, baby. And sometimes your jobs and your little success can fool you. Jesus called it the disciples of riches. That just because you can pay your bills, I don't need to learn all this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. God God wants you paying more than your bills. He wants you to be able to pay for a nation. He wants to use you to supply a whole island, a whole region, a whole nation. I'm believing for today to pay off somebody else's mortgage. That's what kings do, kings. Are you in Acts 22? I'm going to start at verse uh, 21. I want you to see this story. I'm going to go through it real, real quick. Acts 22, verse 21. Hallelujah. This is Paul, the apostle Paul talking to some Jews there in Jerusalem. It says, then he said to me, he's giving his testimony. He says, then he said, Jesus said to, to Paul, depart for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Verse 22. And they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander, now this commander is not Jewish, this commander is Roman. Remember, the Jews are under Roman occupation. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under what? scourging or scourging so that he might know why they shouted against him. We're going to whip him to, to find out why they, why, they, 
Why are they, why they fighting against you? Now, that, that don't make any sense. We're going to whip you to find out what's, why they coming against you. Tell us why they're yelling at you. That's like your mama saying, you, you, you better not cry. I'm going to pop. You, you better you cry and I'll hit you. Verse 25, come on, come on. And as they bound him with thongs, these are ropes, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, watch what Paul says. Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Now Paul is saying, okay, y'all about to do this, but hold on a second. I'm a citizen. Be careful how you deal with a citizen. Now, if Paul didn't know his rights as a citizen, he would have taken that whipping. So many times, this is what what it is, uh, Christopher. You, You are taking, you and I have taken whippings that were illegal because we didn't know about our citizenship. We didn't know about the rights we have as citizens. Are you there? He says, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Verse 26, when the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander saying, take care of what you do. Hold on, for this man is a Roman. Verse 27, then the commander came and said to him, wait, hey, hey, wait, t- tell me, uh, um, are, are you a Roman? He said, uh, yes. The commander answered, with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. I, I bought my citizenship. How, how you, what you mean you're a citizen? And Paul said, but I was born. I was born with this citizenship. I was born with these rights. I was born with this privilege. And you better be careful how you treat me because when I got born again, I got born into a new kingdom and I have new rights and new privileges that that exclude me from the things you want to do to me. So you better be careful how you deal with me. Verse 29, verse 29. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he, Paul, was a Roman and because he had bound him. Now, now watch this. Paul is speaking to Jews in that chapter, right? But at the right time, he's identifying as a Roman. But this, this is critical here. He's Jews, so he talks as a Jew. But then when he's dealing with Romans, he talks as a Roman. Is he Roman? Yes. Is he Jewish? Yes. But when appropriate, when necessary, he, 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 he enforced or he brought up his rights. As a Roman citizen. His ethnicity was Jewish. But his nationality was Roman. 
Now, I'm going to show you this here in Acts. Go, go back one chapter, Acts 21, 39. I want you to see this. Acts 29, Acts 21, rather, verse 39. Y'all got a few minutes, right? Oh, God. I, I want you to get this. Glory to God. It says in Acts 21, 39, but Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in, in Cilicia, but notice this next part, a citizen of no mean city. That word mean means average or common city. And I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. Now, at this time, Paul is talking to a Roman commander. He said, I am a Jew. That's my ethnicity. But I'm a citizen of no average city. In other words, he's a citizen of Rome, which is the major city of the whole empire. So he understood his ethnicity, but he laid claim to his nationality. In other words, yes, I am Jewish, but I'm also a Roman. So when you are facing issues, when you are evangelizing, when you are talking to people, you understand your ethnicity. Or I, I want to switch it to your humanity. When I'm dealing with humans, I deal with them as a human. But when I'm being persecuted, when I'm being tried, when I'm being attacked, I don't identify as a human. I identify with my nationality. My nationality is heaven. My nationality is the kingdom of God. So I tell the accuser, I tell the, attempt, the tempter, I tell the persecutor, you have no right. Because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now what the devil will do is when, when, uh, when oh thank you Lord, when trouble comes, he'll try to keep you human. He wants you to respond human, but the weapons of our, I'm going to come over here, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. Now, these weapons are not from your humanity. They're from your divinity. They're not from your ethnicity. They're from your nationality. I know it. I know I'm preaching here, boy. Yes. Yes, I'm human. See, 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 the, the devil, the devil will come along, and when when the doctor say, you know, um, you have you have a little look like you got sugar. And and okay, so you know, it's coming for black folk to have sugar. And so he wants you to now to now to now relate to your to your ethnicity. Well, lupus passed down and sickle cell passed down and you know, all this stuff. He wants you to relate to your ethnicity. But you got to say, no, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Come on. And behold, all things. So I might have been born as a black person or as an Italian or as a Jew or, or a human, but I got 
born again into a new kingdom and a new nationality. So no, 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 no. No, he purchased my salvation. He purchased my freedom. He delivered me. By his stripes I am healed. So I'm not going down with my humanity. I'm going to go up with my divinity. Boy, 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 boy. Everybody say ethnicity versus nationality. Give me Philippians 3.17 real quick. Let me, let, me, let me round this out here. And I'm going to chop this short. This, I'm going to end up carrying on to next week. We'll finish this next week. Ethnicity versus nationality. Ethnicity versus nationality. Humanity versus divinity. Philippians 3.17 through 20 says this. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Now, so when you go to the... Y'all military people, help me out with this. When you go to the military, they don't just drop you off on, you know, on the bus, get off the bus, now go figure this out. They're going to give you a sergeant, right? And that's, that sergeant, um, your, your basic training sergeant, they're not nice. They in your face, and it doesn't matter if their breath stinks, they're going to make their breath stink. And they're going to spit on you more than pastor spits on you. You think I spit, go to the military. They're going to spit all over you in your face, and you better not wipe it. But they're gonna, what they're going to be is your example. So Paul says, brethren, join in, my, in following my example and note those who so walk. Note those who walk in this new way of living. As you have us for a pattern. That's why discipleship is so important. When you're discipled, you're discipled by somebody who's already walking this out. Verse 18. Verse 18. Let me keep going. For many walk, many walk, of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're enemies of the cross of Christ, verse 19, whose end is their destru- is destruction, whose God is their belly, which means their flesh, their carnal desires. Their carnal desires rule them. And that's what we see even in the body of Christ, that some of the people who are in the body of Christ, you, you can tell they are still governed by their carnal desires. whose glory is in their shame. They post stuff that they do like it's supposed to be proud things. And like, you posting that, Reverend? Notice, who set their minds, set their mind on earthly things. He said, watch out for them. Don't watch out for those who set their mind on earthly things. Here's why, verse 20. For our citizenship, is in heaven. Our citizenship. Now, I know you were born in St. Pete or born in New York or born in 
Texas or born wherever you were, up home, Mariana somewhere, all that kind of stuff. But your citizenship, how many born-again people do I have here? Your citizenship is in heaven. You are from heaven. You've obtained a new citizenship. You may be living here, but your citizenship is in heaven. That's why the Bible calls us pilgrims and sojourners here. We sojourn or travel here. This world is not my home. We're just strangers passing through. Because our citizenship is in heaven. Put that back on the screen, please. For, for which we eagerly wait, right? Philippians 3.20, did we lose it, media? Which all, from which all, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's do one thing. Switch this from that uh, New King James verse 20 to the Amplified Classic. And I want to wrap this up. Oh, Jesus. Y'all preach me sweating today. Philippians 3.20. Go, go to the beginning of that. The beginning of Philippians 3.20 in the Amplified Classic. Go on, all, I want ver verse 20. That's all I want is verse 20. Yeah, thank you. But we are citizens of the state. Now, that would mean that the ones earlier who were enemies of the cross, they are enemies of the state. See, y'all thought Will Smith and them did. No, no. They, they are enemies of the state. See? Because we're part of a state called heaven. A new condition. A new reality. And I'm not going to live as an enemy of the state. No, I'm a citizen of the state. Notice this next word it says, commonwealth. Say it again. Which means wealth is common. Now y'all missed it. Remember, the least in the kingdom is greater than the highest in the world. We're part of a commonwealth. If you want to know how wealthy this kingdom is, you read Ephesians 3.8 in the Amplified Classic where Paul talks about this grace that God gave him to preach the unsearchable, endless, boundless, fathomless riches, wealth which no human being can search out, which no human being can calculate. It's, it's, a, it's an unlimited wealth. And he says you and I are part of the commonwealth of heaven. In other words, if you're poor as a citizen, king, citizen of the kingdom, you are uncommon. There's something irregular. Well, Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. I, you know, I, I'm not experiencing that just because you didn't have a revelation yet. You didn't have a revelation. But as you go through discipleship, you get a revelation. You learn who you are. Put it back on the screen, please. The beginning of that. Philippians 3.20. Commonwealth homeland, which is in heaven, and from it we also, we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as Savior. As the Savior. Divine 
citizenships, citizenship gives us rights and privileges that don't apply to common man. But we must identify with our divinity over our humanity. I'll say it again. Come on, musicians, we're going to close out here. Divine citizenship gives us rights and privileges that don't apply to common man. But we must identify with our divinity over our humanity. Remember several weeks ago I taught you, this is, I don't know, this is several weeks ago or earlier this year or, early, or late last year, and we were in John 3, and in John 3.31, uh, John said, he that is from above is above all. He that is from above is above all. So you and I, in fact, John, that was John the Baptist talking. The one who the Bible said we're all greater than. He said, he who comes from above is above all, and he who is earthly is, is of earth, is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. You and I, our citizenship is in heaven. We're from heaven, which places us above all. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you have? Do you know you are the most privileged people on the planet? You, I said you are the most privileged. We are the most privileged people on the planet. Doesn't matter what our family history may be. Doesn't matter what side of the tracks we were born on. What neighborhood we come from. Once we're in the kingdom, we are the most privileged people on the planet. Rights and privileges that no common man can ever ever attain. But I got to know who I am. Do y'all receive that today? Why don't put, you put those hands together and give Father God a great praise. Come on, give God a great praise for that word. We are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show for the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who we are. And we, I'll get into it next week. I was hoping to preach on sonship next Sunday, but we're going to go back into citizenship next Sunday because I want to talk about your rights. I want to throw this tidbit in there so you can meditate on this. When you know your rights, you don't seek permission. Let that hit your spirit. When you know your rights, you don't need permission. I was so happy to hear about something that came down the pike here in Florida, and I know a lot of people are upset about that because of all the crime that goes on. But now Florida is uh, the newest permitless carry state, which means to carry a weapon, you don't need a permit anymore. People are upset about that, with all the kind of crime, but guns don't kill people. people. And when I heard that, I told my wife, I said, wonderful, because why in the world 
should I need a permit for something I have a right to? The Second Amendment gives me the right to bear arms. So I should not go through anybody to get a permit to do something that I was given a right to do. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this, as a U.S. citizen, that's my right. As a U.S. citizen, that's my right. And I might want to encourage everybody today, go get you a piece. Because the way these folks cutting up out here, you're going to need more than a high yard, chop, chop. You're going to need something, pow, pow. Folks crazy, I'm just telling you. It's a right. It's a right. It's a right. Guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the Constitution, of the Bill of Rights. So, so, so I, I told Marv, I said, the next thing I want to do is get rid of the fishing permit. Why should I need a permit to fish when eating is a right? It's for food. It's food. Why should I need a permit to catch food? You see? See, once you know your rights, you don't need permission. And the devil has defrauded the body of Christ out of our rights, not knowing our rights. So because we don't know our rights, we keep asking God for permission for stuff. They said permission is your right. We'll get into that next week. Amen. Father, thank you today for the word. Thank you for your people who have received the word. I pray that, God, that the word has fallen upon good ground, that it will produce the 30s, the 60, even the 100-fold return that Jesus Christ promised would come from those who receive the word, from those who take the word, from those who let the word seep deep into their hearts. And I pray, Father, that, God, this word, even though we didn't get through all of it, that what we've heard so far will make a lasting mark on our lives, that the revelation we've already gained today will begin to transform our lives because your word says we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So God, renew our minds. We renew our minds today by the word of God. So let us become those who walk in every right and every privilege that you've given us as citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of God. We thank you for it. We thank you for the King of kings, the King of our kingdom, the Lord of lords, the great I am. We love you. We thank you for the wonderful gift that you gave in giving Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Today as we take of this supper, we celebrate the fact that he laid down his life for us so that we could now have access to kingdom privileges and kingdom rights. God, as we receive this supper, let it minister to our bodies, everything that we need, the healing, deliverance, whatever we need, let, it, let us receive it today. And I thank you, Father, that these are people are blessed indeed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.